Welcome back to Unveiled Shadows, where we delve deep into the most chilling and perplexing cases from around the world. I'm your host, Nathaniel Roberts, and today we're revisiting a haunting case from Haddonfield, Illinois, a tale that has forever marked the town and remains one of the most disturbing incidents in American criminal history. Make sure you're not alone for this one. It's a spine tingler. Picture this. Halloween night, 1963. Haddonfield should have been filled with the joyful sounds of children trick-or-treating and neighbors sharing laughter. But for one household, the Myers, the night was anything but joyful. In a twist that sounds more like horror fiction than reality, six-year-old Michael Myers, for reasons that remain deeply enigmatic, turned on his own family. In a deeply shocking act, young Michael used a chef's knife to take the life of his teenage sister Judith. This act, carried out amidst the backdrop of Halloween festivities, would cast a long, dark shadow on Haddonfield's history. I met him... Fifteen years ago, I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. That was Dr. Samuel Loomis, Michael's dedicated psychiatrist, driven by a sense of responsibility and dread. He sought to understand the inscrutable mind of Michael Myers. With each session, he grew more convinced of the deep-seated danger Michael presented. Fast forward to October 30th, 1978. Michael, now older but no less enigmatic, was scheduled for a court hearing. Dr. Loomis and Nurse Marion Chambers were assigned to the task of transporting him from the Smith's Grove Sanitarium, where he'd been held. But things did not go as planned. On that fateful evening, in what seemed like a premeditated move, Michael Myers escaped commandeering the very car meant to transport him. This escape, just a day before Halloween, would set in motion a series of events that to this day remain both horrifying and bewildering. Stick around after the break as we delve deeper into the dark corridors of Michael Myers' return to Haddonfield. You won't want to miss it. Welcome back to Unveiled Shadows. If you're just joining us, we're diving deep into the dark chronicles of Haddonfield, Illinois. Last episode, we unraveled the horrifying events of Halloween night 1963 and the chilling escape of Michael Myers in 1978. Now let's pick up right where we left off. October 31st, 1978, a day that should have been filled with festive excitement in Haddonfield was overshadowed by a growing sense of unease. On the outskirts of town, a mechanic met a tragic and unexpected end. His coveralls had vanished with the perpetrator. 
Later that day, a local hardware store reported a break-in. The only items missing, knives, ropes, and a hauntingly expressionless white mask. With every move, Michael was preparing for something sinister. Teenager Lori Strode, with her life ahead of her, inadvertently became entangled in this web of darkness as she innocently approached the old Myers house. She felt the weight of unseen eyes upon her. Throughout the day, Michael's obscured figure lingered in her periphery. But her friends, Annie and Linda, believed it was just Halloween jitters. But were they? Or was it a premonition of the terror to come? Simultaneously, Dr. Loomis, driven by his own apprehensions, made a startling discovery in Haddonfield the grave of Judith Myers, desecrated and missing its tombstone. This chilling discovery solidified his belief that Michael had indeed returned to his childhood home. Sheriff Lee Brackett, a practical man and father to Annie, reluctantly joined Loomis in his investigation. The Myers house, though long abandoned, bore fresh signs of Michael's presence, a grim display of a deceased dog its fate unknown but undoubtedly dark. Loomis tried to convey the magnitude of the threat, emphasizing his long-held belief about Michael's nature, pure, undiluted malevolence. Brackett, ever the skeptic but sensing the urgency, decided on a proactive approach. The town's streets were soon filled with patrolling police cars, and Loomis stationed himself at the Myers residence a sentinel awaiting the return of evil. Join us after another short break as Haddonfield's Halloween night unfolds. What does Michael Myers truly want, and can he be stopped? Stay tuned. Welcome back to Unveiled Shadows. If you're tuning in now, we're immersing ourselves in the harrowing Halloween of 1978 in Haddonfield, Illinois. We've traced the roots of Michael Myers' malevolence, and now we dive into the chilling events of that fateful night. As night draped over Haddonfield, houses came alive with the glow of jack-o'-lanterns and festive decorations. Inside the Doyle residence, Lori Strode settled in for a seemingly mundane night of babysitting young Tommy. Across the street, Annie was watching over Lindsay Wallace. But as the evening unfolded, the two houses drew the attention of the returning menace, Michael Myers. Following Annie, he struck again, the Wallace's pet dog becoming another victim in his silent spree. Young Tommy, eyes wide with terror, caught glimpses of the masked figure and in his innocence labeled him the Boogeyman. Despite his fervent claims, Laurie tried to brush them off as mere Halloween-induced imagination. Later, Annie made a fateful decision to ferry Lindsay over to the Doyles and rendezvous with her boyfriend, Paul. But as she slid into her car, an unseen presence in the back seat emerged. Michael, with cold precision, silenced Annie forever. Unaware of the unfolding horror, Linda and her boyfriend, Bob, decided the Wallace house was a perfect secluded spot for their rendezvous. Their intimate moment was tragically short-lived. Michael, lurking in the shadows, 
made his presence felt once more, dispatching Bob with a brutality that defies comprehension. Adopting a ghostly disguise, Michael confronted Linda, who, mistaking him for Bob, engaged in playful banter. But when the silent figure didn't respond, frustration drove her to call Lori. The call, however, took a terrifying turn as Michael ended Linda's life with Laura unwittingly bearing auditory witness. Amidst the chaos, Dr. Loomis, still on his vigilant quest, stumbled upon the stolen car. Realizing he was close to the epicenter of Michael's terror, he scoured the streets, desperately hoping to intervene before more blood was shed. We'll continue this dark journey after a brief pause. Hold on to your seats, listeners, as the terror of that Halloween night reaches its climax when we return. You're back with Unveiled Shadows. Our journey into the chilling events of Halloween night in Haddonfield is drawing to its tense climax. In our last segment, we witnessed the ruthlessness of Michael Myers, but what happens next will forever be etched in the annals of true crime. Haunted by the eerie phone call, Lori, driven by concern, ventured to the Wallace residence. Her discovery there was nothing short of nightmarish. The lifeless bodies of her friends, each displayed in grotesque fashion, but most chilling was the sight of Judith Meyer's headstone, eerily out of place in the bedroom. As the weight of the horror bore down on Lori, a sudden movement caught her eye. Michael, ever the silent predator, lunged. In the ensuing scuffle, Lori suffered a deep gash on her arm and stumbled, falling down the staircase. Dazed but driven by adrenaline, she made her way to the one place she felt safe, the Doyle house. Finding herself locked out and Michael in close pursuit, Lori's frantic knocks were answered by young Tommy. Inside, her primary concern was the children's safety. As she tried to muster help through the phone, the dread set in deeper. The line has been cut. Michael, relentless as ever, found his way in. A desperate confrontation ensued, with Lori managing to repel her attacker using, of all things, a knitting needle. Breathing a sigh of relief and hoping against hope that Michael was finally subdued, Lori attempted to ensure the children's safety, but Michael was not done. Cornered and terrified in a closet, Lori once again showed incredible resilience, repelling Michael with a wire hanger. Thinking on her feet, she seized the dropped knife and delivered what should have been the final blow. Urging Tommy and Lindsay to flee and call the police, Lori tried to catch her breath. However, in true horror fashion, Michael was far from defeated. Rising again, he closed in on the weary Lori. It was at this moment, with tension at its peak, that Dr. Loomis appeared. Seeing the children running, his fears were confirmed. Upon entering the house, he found Michael, hands around Lori's throat. The rapid succession of gunshots seemed to finally subdue the boogeyman. A shaken Lori, through tearful eyes, whispered a terrifying realization that Michael was indeed the embodiment of childhood fears. But when Loomis approached the balcony where Michael had fallen, he found nothing but an empty space. Haddonfield's boogeyman had vanished into the night once again, as the town reeled in the aftermath 
the echoing sentiment was clear. Evil like that never truly dies. Thank you for joining us on this harrowing journey. Remember to keep your doors locked, check 